Well, thank you, Tamara. I would invite you, as we continue in worship, to take your Bibles there at home and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 37. Luke 19, 37. Join with me as we open God's word together. Speaking of Jesus, as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. I pray that as we look into it today, that you would get me out of the way, that you would speak, for your servants are listening. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Palm Sunday has always been one of my favorite Sundays of the year, but this, as we've already mentioned, is an unusual Palm Sunday. We don't have any palm branches today. These are painfully fake. There are no crowds. We even have a lot of the stuffed animals who are quarantining this morning. And I'll be honest, despite Tamara's wonderful leadership, the singing of the rest of the staff has been pretty lame. I think we're all just trying not to get picked up on the microphones, but it, it's not like it usually is. But you know, Pastor Jeff and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and he pointed out that Palm Sunday is always an unusual Sunday. On the one hand, it's a day of celebration, waving the palm branches and singing Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But on the other hand, it's somber remembering that in just a few days the cries of the crowd would become, Crucify him! And even on that day of the triumphal entry, we see a contrast. Jesus is being hailed by the crowds. He tells the Pharisees that the praise is inevitable. If these were silent, even the stones would cry out. In his three years of ministry, Jesus hadn't seemed more popular or more powerful than on that day. And yet Luke tells us when Jesus came over the crest of the Mount of Olives, around the corner of that hill with the whole of Jerusalem laid out before him, he saw the strong walls, he saw that vast temple complex with the huge golden temple in its midst, the bustling streets, the grand palaces, and he wept. Why? Why at this moment of rejoicing did he break down in tears? Because while there was rejoicing, while there were cries of peace in heaven, Jerusalem didn't really know the things that made for peace. 
Celebration is good, but momentary happiness without real peace is nothing. Now, this peace, of course, is far more than what our English word usually conveys. It, it goes back to the Hebrew word shalom. This is a common Jewish greeting and farewell even today. Shalom, peace be with you. It's more than just the absence of conflict. It's wholeness. And we all need peace today, don't we? And what are the results of not knowing the things that make for peace? Jesus outlines them. He describes three things that would happen to Jerusalem. Your enemies will set up a barricade around you, hem you in on every side. They will tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another. Now he's prophesying there of the destruction of Jerusalem that happened about 40 years after his words. The Roman legions came and surrounded the city. In a matter of days, they built a, mo- a wall four miles long all around the city, preventing anyone from coming or going. The Jewish historian Josephus reports that the famine in the city during that time grew so severe that some people resorted to cannibalism. When the city fell, the Romans razed the city. They set fire to the temple and tore it to the ground. That was the literal fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy. But I think many of us know that there can be a personal fulfillment of it as well. When we don't know the things that make for peace, we can feel hemmed in by the enemy. We'll be torn down, and even our foundations will give way. Does anyone feel hemmed in today? I know I've seen way too much of the walls of our guest room over these past few weeks. Have you been brought low? Are your foundations shaking? But what do we do? Well, I think we're shown in this passage at least two things that don't make for peace. And I'd like us also to consider two things that do make for true peace. First, it's important to notice that what the people were saying as Jesus entered Jerusalem wasn't wrong. They were quoting from Psalm 118, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us is Hosanna, as the other gospel writers record the people saying. And and don't we need salvation? The people certainly weren't wrong to call Jesus the king, were they? And what they're saying isn't wrong. What's wrong are their reasons for saying it. This Sunday is called Palm Sunday, and as Tamara's song reminded us, the people cut palm branches from the trees and waved them as Jesus approached. It's festive, right? Except that the palm branch, from the time of that Maccabean revolution, 200 years before the time of Jesus, was a symbol of Jewish nationalism. It was the equivalent of their national flag. The people in the crowds on Palm Sunday weren't waving the palm branches because they were pretty. This was a sign of revolution, a show of defiance to the occupying Romans. When they shouted, Hosanna, save us, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, they were thinking of a political king and military salvation. Notice that they say, peace in heaven. That's not a common expression in the Bible. And it's just the opposite of what the heavenly host chanted at Jesus' birth. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
Now, these crowds on Palm Sunday weren't looking for peace on earth. They were looking for a warrior king who would take up arms and kick out Rome, not a heavenly king who would stretch out his arms and die at the hands of Roman soldiers less than a week later. In fact, while the crowds were quoting Psalm 118, they clearly didn't consider the whole thing. Just a few verses before the part they quoted, the psalmist writes, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. I think we see this playing out in our world today, don't we? People are looking for salvation from this health crisis, from politics, from science, from medicine or technology. People are looking to actors and musicians for comfort. All of those things can certainly help to improve our life or extend it. And especially at this time, I'm so thankful for those who are putting their lives on the line to care for the sick, who are developing treatments and vaccines. But there's no utopia to be gained through these things. They can't give us true comfort, the true comfort our souls need when crisis comes. As long as we deal with fallen people in a fallen world, we're not going to develop our way to true peace. So the crowds on Palm Sunday didn't know the things that made for peace because they were focused on an earthly kingdom. But I think they also didn't know the things that made for peace because they were seeking salvation through God's works of power in this world. Look again at Luke 19.37. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. It might not seem so bad, but think about it. The people followed Jesus because he healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, cast out demons, and fed the 5,000. They weren't following Jesus because of who he was but because of what he did for them. How often do we do the same thing? How many of us are glad to follow God as long as we're seeing results? As long as my relationships are going well and my bank account is full and my family and I are healthy, well, I guess this God thing is working for me. And if not, if I'm having trouble with a loved one and my finances are a mess and I'm facing sickness, God, where are you? Throughout his ministry, Jesus told the disciples to take up their cross. He said, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are those who weep, blessed are you when you are hated for my sake. He said, in this world you will face trouble. He never promised that this life would be free from pain or sickness. Now we do need to do everything in our power to help those who are suffering at this time. God's people have always been called upon to care for the sick, the imprisoned, the orphan, and the widow, and the foreigner in our midst. For many of us right now, that looks like staying at home and helping to stop the spread of this virus. Others are able to serve on the front lines with their medical skills. Some of us can give financially to help our neighbors. And we can all call our neighbors and our family and our friends We can all find ways to serve those around us, as we saw in that video earlier. We want to give you ways to do that. And we need to pray. Contrary to what some may think, prayer isn't useless. 
But we need to be careful that we don't just see prayer as useful either. Because prayer isn't magic. Prayer isn't rubbing the genie's bottle to get three wishes. It's not putting a deposit into the cosmic vending machine. If it were those things, we could see whether we got what we wanted and figure out whether prayer was useful or not. But prayer is entering into a conversation with the infinite creator of the universe because he wants to be in conversation with us. Yes, sometimes he does answer our prayers for physical healing in dramatic ways, but sometimes he doesn't. And the healing he is most focused on goes far beyond whether somebody recovers from a virus and lives for another year or 10 or 20. He wants to do a work in us and through us that will last for eternity. The crowds didn't know the things that would make for peace because they were looking for peace through earthly kingdoms or through acts of power over the physical world. But what then are the things that make for peace? Pastor Jeff has been leading us through the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12 for the past several weeks. I'd like us now to look to the end of that chapter, beginning with verse 22. As we read, compare these words to those events on Palm Sunday. Hebrews 12, starting with verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Skipping down to verse 28, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Did you hear the mirror image of the triumphal entry? Instead of the earthly corrupt Jerusalem, there is the heavenly city. Instead of a crowd of people looking for a military king, there are the angels ready for a heavenly celebration. Instead of people looking to God's hand, There are those who are enrolled in heaven, and the spirits of the righteous finally made perfect, basking in the light of his face. Instead of a city that will be hemmed in, thrown down, and uprooted, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But there's more. We have peace not just because we're receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. That gives us confidence. That gives us stability. But a kingdom doesn't give us wholeness. It falls short of shalom. You see, at the very end of his lament, Jesus talks about knowing the time of your visitation. What does he mean? The Greek word there is episkope. Its root is where we get episcopal, and a similar word is translated bishops or overseers. Episcope is a visitation by one who is in authority But it's not a visit of judgment. It's a visit of mercy. The overseers in our church play a significant role in visiting the sick and shut-ins. In the past few weeks, since they can't go into nursing homes or hospitals, they've been wearing out their phones, making calls to offer encouragement and prayer. 
These aren't visits of judgment. They're visits of mercy. Episcopate. When Jesus approached Jerusalem, that seat of power and religious authority, he wept. But a few pages earlier, in Luke chapter 10, we're told of a time that Jesus rejoiced. He had sent out 72 disciples who returned from their ministry. They were rejoicing that the Holy Spirit was at work through them. In Luke 10, 21, we're told, In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What did the disciples see that prophets and kings desired to see? Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. He was the great creator of the universe, but he wasn't a God who was far off. He was a God who had drawn near. This was the time of their visitation, and they saw him face to face. Kim Klima is leading a study online based on a a series by Robert Morris, the pastor of a large church in Dallas. He shared in the first video that we watched last week about how two years ago now he had suffered life-threatening internal bleeding, and he almost died on the way to the hospital. He said, I didn't die, I didn't go to heaven, I didn't see anything, but I sensed the presence of God so strongly, so strongly, that I wanted to go to heaven. I was excited about going to heaven. Now, he obviously recovered, but he said afterwards he struggled. He wasn't very excited about being here. He confessed this to God one morning and felt God ask him, why? And he responded, I want to be in your presence. He said, God very clearly said to him, Son, you can enter my presence any time you want. My friends, if we have believed in Jesus, if we have accepted his death on that cross for us and given our lives to him, he has promised us that we have the Holy Spirit within us At this very moment, we are in his presence. We are before his face. This is the time of our visitation, and it never has to end. Are you crying out today, save us? Let me ask you why. Are you looking for salvation through politics or wisdom or the things of this world? Are you looking for salvation through signs of power Are you seeking God's hand and not his face today? Then I challenge you, not not to change your words, but to change your heart. Cry out, save me, but do so recognizing that Jesus has in mind something far deeper. Give up this life that you might find true peace. 
Or do you already know that your name is written in heaven? If so, remember. Remember today that we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken by politics or coronavirus or social distancing. Remember that this is the time of our visitation and seek his face. See him rejoicing over you, even now, even in that living room. And you will find the one who makes for peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you that you don't depend on our wisdom or understanding. You don't call us because of our positions or our bank accounts. You don't call us because we have it all together. You call us because you love us. You call us and you have prepared for us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Lord Jesus, thank you for reaching down to us. Thank you for visiting us. Thank you for making a home with us and making a way for us through your cross. Give us eyes to see your goodness and your grace today. Give us your peace. Amen.